Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And, God, as we get into your word this morning, we just pray that not only would you reveal areas of our hearts that need changing, but, God, I pray that you would just encourage us uh, to take a step closer to you. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so this morning I want to talk about five choices that will absolutely change your life. And we're going to start by reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And uh, this is an amazing passage, but it's one that we, we need to really just take in and just um, uh, meditate on. It says, so be careful how you live. Not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Anyone know where... This bridges? Bridge to nowhere. Yeah, yeah, very good. Any of you seen it? Any of you have been on it? Yeah, it's in the middle of the um, Whanganui National Park. Uh, there's no road to it. There's no road from it. So the bridge has been called the Bridge to Nowhere. It was um, completed in 1936, and it was built to link settlers um, of the valley with the riverboat service. What happened is that when servicemen came back from the Great War, the government in 1917 opened up a a valley for settlement by soldiers. And uh, they uh, opened up a total of 35 holdings, and they built a school there. And for lots of years, the, the valley prospered. But economic hardship, Problems happened, and in May 1942, basically the government closed the valley down, and everyone left, and this bridge was left as a monument, a reminder of that ill-fated settlement. Unfortunately, people's lives can be like this. They're either going nowhere in life, or they're building their lives on the wrong vision, in the wrong place, and although it looks great at the time, uh, at the end of the day, all that's left is a monument to failure. And every one of us will have had areas in our lives that have been like that, and as we look back, we think, wow, I wish I hadn't got involved in this, or I wish I hadn't done that. So how can we avoid that and make sure that The life that we are building is going to have God's blessing on it. Because when God's blessing is on it, everything else is going to flow from that. Well, first of all, we need to recognize that we are the results of the decisions that we have made over the last lifetime. Where we'll be in a year's time or five years' time or 50 years' time is going to be a result of the decisions that we make today and tomorrow and the next day because basically we are a product of our choices. 
Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a product of your choices. <laughs> and some of you uh, have made big choices. <laughs> Many people try and blame everybody else for their predicament. Uh, some people blame their genetics. In other words, I was born like it. Other people blame their parents, uh, their upbringing. My parents didn't raise me right. They did a lousy job of raising it. Or they blame their environment. Someone or something made me like this. But the reality is, no, we're actually a product of our choices. Yep, bad things can happen to good people. And yes, our genetics and our upbringing and our environment all play a part in contributing to our lives. But our choices are actually going to determine our future. And we can go through the fire of affliction and we can come out without the smell of smoke on us because it's our choice as to how we respond. I don't think I've uh, come across people who have had to face more difficult situations than those situations that we've faced over the last uh, three weeks with Kojo and Juanita. Very, very difficult. But with the right choices, we can get through these things. You know, Jesus says that he, even, then, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with us. He's with us in those situations and circumstances. How we respond is going to determine where we end up. Our future and our destiny are going to be determined by our character. Uh, corporates are recognizing that character is more important than skill sets because skills can be taught. And our character is determined by the sum of our habits. And our habits are the actions that we repeat. And our actions are determined by the decisions that we make and the thoughts that we think. So if we can change the way we think, if we can change the decisions that we make, we will change our actions and we'll change our habits and we'll change our character and we'll change our destiny. So this morning, I'm going to talk about five of life's most important choices, and I'm going to show you how godly responses to these will build a bridge from where you are to a fantastic future. So the first, first choice, the first area, we're going to choose what we're going to have at the center of our life. Okay, What are we going to put in the center of our life? What are you going to build your life around? What will be the foundation of your life? You can build your life around your career. Uh, you can build your life around your family. You can build your life around a sport or a hobby or money or having fun or lots and lots of other time-consuming activities, which are all good, but none is strong enough to hold your life together, let alone prepare you for eternity. If you're going to lay a foundation for your life, it better be a good one. As people who have creative power, we are 
people who can make critical choices. And we have the ability to select the center of our foundation and what we're going to build our life on for the rest of the year and for the rest of our life. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, addresses this for the Corinthian Christians when he says in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10, he says, each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Jesus is the only foundation that you can actually build on. Any foundation other than Jesus won't get you through. Uh, you can't build half of your life on him, and you can't center half of your life around Jesus and the other half around something else. When Penny and I um, built our house, we had to dig out 80,000 liters of soft soil from in front of the house. We had to fill it with compacted metal before the foundations were actually laid. Why? Because it's no good having a, a house built on solid ground for half of it and soft ground for the other half. Now, the whole of the foundation had to be on solid ground. But that's what some people try and do. They try and keep Jesus for Sundays and the other seven, six days a week, they focus on other things. But we've got to build our whole life around him. There is only one foundation one center for your life, and that's got to be Jesus. And actually, whatever is at the center of your life will be your God. Ephesians 5.15, so be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. And when Jesus is at the center of your life, when he is your foundation, his peace replaces worry. In Philippians 4.7, it says, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. If you want God's peace during the storms of life, make Jesus your foundation. Make him your center. And it doesn't matter what situation you're in this morning. If you would allow Jesus Christ to come in and take control. He can change everything. I recorded this video uh, about a decade ago. It's an interview or it's a compilation uh, in, that TV2 did on Stan Walker after he won the Australian Idol. So guys, if you want to turn off the lights and just um, have a look at this. If ever anyone had a place to sing from, it's Stan Walker, because his backstory, as they call it in the business, is horrific. Home, back then, was soaked in booze, 
drugs and violence. My dad was a real violent and angry man. He used to um, beat my mum and he used to beat us. And um, we always used to... Our memory of our dad back in those days was this man who used to come home and control and harm us. So all we really had was our mother who did the best she could and, and a father who didn't know how to father. Yeah, I probably had the... The Jack the Must life? Yeah, the ugly background, uh, ugly um, upbringing. And then he transferred it on to yeah. us. Now, I always protected Stan when Ross was like that and tried to protect him in other ways, but I didn't, you know, like, he was still really a hard kid and I used to wonder why, and then when he told us, I was like, oh, just blew me away. been through more than any kid should but then when he was nine years old Stan says he was sexually abused by a member of his extended family it went on for nine months when I was nine it just got real like it got shocking like I tried to hang myself so many times um when I was like 14 and 12 and 13 like just you know just numerous times I just tried to do a lot of that and um my escape was parties, get as much girls as I could just because to prove myself that I was a man and um, smoking and stealing and just just doing all that bad stuff just to escape the, the reality. And um, it, never, it never worked because I'd go home and still cry and go home and feel like crap and, and hate myself and hate my family. <laughs> But one by one, Stan's family say they joined the church, found God, and completely turned their lives around. They just fully just went from this once we warriors scene to a whole, like, just fully opposite, like, two different families. Who will I know that there's a God above? But all I ever What do you guys think about when you're watching him out there on stage belting out those songs? We have a little cry sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we wait till everybody's gone from the house and then we watch it by ourselves. <laughs> and we just remind ourselves, gee, that's our son. Hmm. Oh, look how far he's come. Singing Amazing Grace. Australia, this is Stan Walker. Change the 
doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've been through. When you make the decision to put Jesus Christ at the center of your life, he can turn everything for good. And he can change the hardest families and the hardest situations if you will put him first. That brings me to the second question. You've got to choose what your character is going to be like. Okay, What kind of person do you want to become? Uh, I mean, how, how can we change our characters? We can't, but God can. And your character, your heart, will be changed through your relationship with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit as you soak in God's word. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You see, when you read God's word, it reveals our hearts and washes us clean as we let the Holy Spirit have his way in us. Pressure, trials, Difficulties are all great exposers. Uh, some of you have been amazed at what you've heard come out of people's mouths when the pressures come on. Anyone identify with that? Well, <clears throat> they say, oh, it was just a slip of the tongue. Uh, no, nah, not really. Uh, it was the overflow of the heart. Uh, Luke 6.45 says, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So what's in your heart is going to come out. And it's the pressure and the difficulties that we face uh, that are going to expose a heart problem. And the only way to correct a heart problem is heart surgery with the word and the Spirit of God. And we all need to change and grow. My, my wife's been trying to change me for the last 43 years. And if she can't change me, nobody can. But God can. God can take a hard heart. He can soften it. But we've got to allow him to have his way. Choose to let the Holy Spirit and God's Word make you more like Christ in character. So, make Christ the center of your heart. Choose that you want His character to be your character. Then choose what community will be the focus of your life. You can't really love God with all your heart, as he asks us to, without loving the things that Jesus loves. And Jesus loves the lost, and he loves his church. Ephesians 5.25 said, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus loves his church, and he wants to present her to himself, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish, holy, blameless. The church is supposed to be the loving Encouraging, 
supportive expression of the life of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, through the church, is the hope of the world. The church should be the family that people want to belong to. When sociologists have interviewed gang members and asked why they have joined those gangs, the majority of them will say that they joined the gang because they just wanted to belong to a family. And some of you I know who have been in that scene are nodding your heads and saying, yeah, that's true. Well, people, this is the family of God. We are the ones who are supposed to be the encouragers. We are the ones who are supposed to love and accept and forgive and demonstrate Jesus Christ. And we've had that opportunity, especially over the last few, few weeks. And uh, our life groups, let me just put a plug in for them. If you're not part of one of the life groups, then you're missing out because you can only meet up with a few people on a Sunday. But in a life group, you get to do life at a greater depth with others who will take the time to pray and be with you and walk you through and help you. So life groups are the main way that pastoral care help, happens in our church. And we've got some great life groups and some great life group leaders. And if you're not part of one, go and have a look on the board and find one that's close to you and get involved. One thing that Jesus said he would do was build his church. And Penny and I are just 100% committed to loving God and seeing his kingdom come and his will done uh, through the church. When you get that revelation in your spirit, it takes away all the striving. It takes away all the complacency. It takes away all the pressure of having to do stuff because you just want to. You just want to build and bless God's kingdom through his church. And if you want to build a bridge to your future, start loving God. Start reaching out and loving people and start helping to build God's church. Yes, there'll be hard times. Satan hates God lovers. Satan hates church builders. But Jesus said the gates, the authority of hell will not prevail against the church of God. There will be battles, but we win. I was in the car with Tark last Tuesday and we were talking about some of the, these things and we're talking about the pressures that had come on, various situations and circumstances that we've been involved in and I happen to say, yeah, the weapons that are formed against us won't prosper and we can say amen to that but the reality is there are weapons formed against us. <laughs> there are weapons. We're in a battle. We are in a battle, people, uh, but the good news is that we have the strength and we have the authority of Jesus Christ, and we win because we are part of the greatest community on earth. We are blessed to be part of God's family. Amen? And Kojo said, amen, amen, amen. Okay, number four, choose what contribution you'll have to life. When we stand before God, 
at the edge of eternity, I think he's going to ask us two questions. He's not going to ask me, Don, how much money did you end up having in the bank? Uh, because life's a bit like Monopoly. It doesn't matter how many houses you've got. It doesn't matter how much land you've got. It doesn't matter what property you've got. It doesn't matter what you've got in the bank. At the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. It all goes back in the box. And when we stand before God, I think God's going to ask us two questions. He's going to say, Don... What did you do with Jesus? And I'll be able to say, I made him my Lord and my Savior. The second thing he's going to ask, I believe, is he's going to say, what have you done for my kingdom with the time and the talents and the resources that I gave you? Every one of us have been given time. Every one of us have got different talents and differing resources uh, we were made to be blessed by God and be a blessing. And we are unique, every one of us. Um, we are fit to serve and help and build up the body of Christ in different ways because we are different. And God's made us that way. His church is going to depend, uh, how we build it up is going to depend on our spiritual gifts. It's going to depend on the passion of our heart. It's going to depend on our abilities. It's going to depend on our personalities. And it's going to depend on our experiences. Aren't you pleased that Penny is different to me? Yeah. <laughs> Man, it would be pretty sad <laughs> if she was the same as me. <laughs> but we actually make a good, good team. In the areas that she's weak in, I'm strong. In the areas that... She's strong in, I'm weak. But together, together, we can get a whole lot done for the kingdom. And that's the same as the body. As I look around, we're all so different. Uh, we are unique, but we've all got a part to play. Uh, actually, Tark was talking about this the other week, and uh, he's in Adelaide at the moment, um, preaching for Pastor Danny. And he sent us this uh, short video, uh, which just really emphasizes this, um, this point. Hi, everybody. Here I am in Adelaide speaking at a conference. We had a great couple of great sessions so far. Thank you so much for all your prayers. It makes a huge difference. Just something on my heart for you guys right now is, you know, each one of you is an amazing creation of God, made in the image of God. And I just want to encourage you, be what God has called you to be. Be the original you. Don't be a copy. Don't try and be like anyone else. And when you are who God made you to be, that's when you're going to have the most success and be the most effective in whatever God has called you to do. So, hey, love you guys all. Enjoy the rest of your service. God bless you. Well, just dropped my sender. <laughs> Every one of us is different and... Uh... Where's, where's Betty? Betty Bryant? Yeah, I remember. I remember. Still, I can picture going and sitting in that, that room, your lounge. It must have been in the first couple of months that I'd been. And uh, you were giving me tea. And John was sitting there. 
And uh, John and Betty were part of um, Queen Street AOG, and, and John did basically everything that there was to do uh, as a layperson. He was on the board of the largest church in Australasia. Uh, they, they just did amazing things. They were responsible for altar call counseling and follow-up. And I said to John, I said, John, if you could do anything in the whole church, what would you do? And he, he looked at me, he says, oh, Pastor Don, he said, I, I just like people. I like visiting people. And I thought, fantastic, because I need somebody to head up our lay visitation program. And that's what John and Betty started doing. And I thought, he could have said anything, but he just went with what was in his heart. And if everybody does what you were created to do, then together we get the job done. Susanna Wesley, although she never preached a sermon or published a book or founded a church, she's known as the mother of Methodism. It was her sons who saw her dream come true. And she was able to raise these boys to love God and to seek his face. And you mums have got such an important job to do in raising your kids. And just recognize there are times and there are seasons. And they all change in terms of our ministry abilities, in terms of what we can do in the church, what we can do outside of the church. But just be the people that God's created you to be. And one of the great couples we've got in our church uh, is Alison and Stephen Payne. And uh, one of the things that... Um, Alison does is respite care, and she's just going to come and tell us what she did uh, a couple of weeks back. So, come on, Alison. I'll apologise because I'm always a bit of a crier. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> and I really didn't want to do this. And um, in fact, my daughter rang me this morning and, and said, "Could I bring her kids to church?" And her husband, that's in a wheelchair, and I said, oh, my goodness, Serena says, you're not going to believe it. I'm speaking at church. Don's given me five minutes. And she just cracked up laughing. She says, you've got to be joking, Mum. I said, I'm not joking. I wish I was. <laughs> and um, I says, but she says, well, how come? And I said, well, Pastor Don asked me to share. And she said, and, and, and you agree that you would? I'm like, yeah, because I'm starting to learn that um, when God tells you to do something, you need to be obedient. And actually coming to Whangarei was one of those things. We came here three and a half years ago and I remember saying to someone years ago that, or thinking to myself that Whangarei was never a place that I'd ever moved to. And um, anyway, when we came, we used to do foster care and uh, when we came up here, the organi Christian organisation we did it through didn't um, do it anymore. And actually I was quite pleased about that because I was done, I was over it. Um, I loved it while I did it, but I needed a break but um and being up here I went to prayer to a lady actually because I wanted my friend to go but she went she pulled out at the last minute and this lady there were two ladies one of them I knew and one of them I didn't and she was busy praying and she said to me uh kept stopping and saying Alison do you do children's ministry and I said no and she asked me three times and, and then I said look we used to do fostering but we don't anymore 
And I said, in fact, I've talked to my husband, we're going to move into a smaller house on our property, try it out, because my house is too big, I don't need a big house. And she just said to me, Alison, don't move. And um, the next day I got a phone call, and anyway, it led into us doing respite foster care, and all I can say is that we need to do God, what God wants us to do. Because <laughs> I had a boy come... Um, he comes regularly now, but <clears throat> the first time we went and picked him up, he lives with his nana, and the first time he went and, we went and picked him up, <clears throat> she um, told us that she was pagan, and that's fine. We took her boy home for the weekend, and he was the first kid that when I put him to bed at night and offered to pray for me, just said no. Wasn't interested, and that's all good. That's fine. The next weekend he came, and this boy suffers with Tourette's, and so bad that he'd actually been pulled out of school because of the bullying that was happening. And the day I picked him up, the second time, we, it was Easter, just gone, and I took him to the supermarket on the way home and he collapsed and he was on the floor for a while. He couldn't get off the floor. And um, when we got home, he sat on the couch and his leg was straight, but the bottom of his foot was turned on a right angle. And he said, Alison, my foot is so painful. He said, all the muscles are really, really tight and tense. And um, he said, I just said to him, hey, well, Raymond, you know that I believe in God, eh? And I said, how about we just pray and ask him to heal it? And I'm a simple prayer person. And um, as I prayed, his foot went from that. It just went dung, 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 dung like that. And he just yelled out. He says, Alison, look at my foot. I said, I know, Raymond. <laughs> and actually, I was surprised as he was. <laughs> and um, he said, Alison, I couldn't do that if I tried. I said, I know, Raymond, that's God, eh? That's what God has done. And I was blown away. But the next, um, on Monday when I took him home, we were there for like 10 minutes with his nan. And she said to me, Alison, his ticks have gone. And I went, oh, yeah, they have. And... Um, didn't think much more of it, and on fr the following Friday, the social worker rang me, and she said, she said, um, she's a Christian, and she said, Alison, I've had a meeting with the nan, and you're not going to believe it, but his ticks have gone, and I said, you're kidding me, and she said, no, I'm serious, and um, a week after, I wanted to hear it for myself from the nan, so I texted her, and I said, hey, look, you know, we can't have Raymond this weekend, we're going away, but just wondering how he's doing, and this is what she texts me back. He said, he's great, Alison. I must say that his body ticks haven't returned, so a little gobsmacked here, to be honest. And then she put a smiley face. He said, his vocal ticks are back, but mostly when he's stressed. He tells me he's considering whether to talk to Jesus now. Smiley face. Very interesting for this pagan, she writes. Smiley face. <laughs> Have a fantastic trip. And... Um, the verse that has been coming to me since I've been in Whangarei is that God can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. And I believe in miracles. That's why I look after kids, because I believe in miracles. But I was as gobsmacked as he was when his foot straightened out, because somehow you think that it happens to other people, and it happens out there. But actually God wants us to be praying for people, and he can do exceedingly abundantly more. Yeah. Wasn't that fantastic?
uh, I asked Alison uh, to come up and share that with you because she's not part of the leadership. She's not a paid professional. She's just an ordinary person like everybody. And she just took that opportunity to be who she is and do what she could do and look at the result. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Every one of us is unique and has been created by God with a good plan in mind. And it's exciting finding God's plan and place in the body. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Come and talk to us. And I'm sure uh, we'll be able to help you in that. And lastly, as the uh, musicians come, uh, choose what your communication in life will be like. What will your life say to unbelievers? Those of us who have seen the film Titanic, and I watched parts of it again in preparation for this, will remember the scene near the end of the film where there was just a sea of bodies floating in the water. 1,500 people drowned. Absolutely unbelievable. But only one lifeboat went back to rescue people out of the water. Only one. And when I watched that scene for the first time, I just couldn't understand why the other boats didn't go back. And yet, as Christians, we're in that same situation. Those who know Jesus Christ are safe in his lifeboat. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. But people round about us are struggling and are headed for a godless eternity unless we make the effort to reach out and tell them that God loves them and wants them to know him. We in our own unique ways can reach out and tell people that Jesus Christ died for them. And what a difference happens when Jesus Christ comes into their life. Allison did it through being able to pray for someone. I was on the golf course on Monday and this married chap that I was playing with, a Vietnam War veteran, said, hey, look, Don, I was... Uh, I was talking to Jack the other night, and uh, well, what do you think of this Israel Falau situation? I, my eyes lit up. <laughs> and I had a fantastic opportunity, a great opportunity to share God's love with this guy. And you'll find that God will open up situations and circumstances for you to be able to say something that can move people one step closer to God. You don't need to be a hard-out evangelist like Dave Boyd, but in the way that God's made you, He will open up situations where you can show people that God loves them.
we've been given the gift of life and we need to make the most of every day not only can we build a bridge to our future but we can help others build a bridge and a hope for themselves amen so what's going to be at the center of your life what's your character going to be like which community are you going to be involved in what's your contribution going to be like and what's your conversation those are the five questions that right answers to those is going to make for an exciting exciting journey with Jesus Christ 